Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. Our guest today is John Ramstead. John is a keynote speaker and trainer, former combat Navy fighter pilot, leadership coach, and international podcast host. It is John's purpose and joy to launch individuals, companies, and government organizations into their full potential. John was at his peak of his professional career nine years ago when his dreams were shattered by a freak accident. 23 surgeries later, with his life hanging in the balance, John emerged with a profound vision for how to live a life of significance. Since then, he has coached and mentored hundreds of individuals and companies. His keynote speech, Become the Best Leader You Can Be, will teach and inspire you to stop holding back and take action today. John Ramstead has been successful as a Navy combat fighter, tech entrepreneur, and after a near-death experience, he focuses on helping others become the best leaders they can be. He is inspirational and invites you to take action to be the best version of you. John, thank you so much for being willing to be on the show today, and I'm just looking forward to uh, learning from your experience and wisdom. Well, my pleasure. It is awesome to be here. So... First, I just have to say, I love your website. Anytime you can see a fighter jet, and then I love the little cursor with a little fighter jet jumps up anytime you mouse over a word. So that just <laughs> that just set the tone for a bunch of positivity. So thank you for your service and, and obviously exciting stories as a Navy combat fighter. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for your service in the Marines. I know we were just talking about that, but we, we both had a great experience and it. You know, God used that to prepare us for what was next, didn't it? Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the transition from combat fighter to entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, my, mine was not uh, voluntary. <laughs> um, uh, Robert, uh, I'll never forget it. After a couple combat cruises in Iraq, this is in the early 90s, I get a call to go down to the commanding officer's um, office, which is, is a junior officer. That is not a good thing. And, and I'm walking down his office thinking, okay, what did I do wrong? Like, did I leave out classified material? Did I break a jet? Like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to create the spin, like, you know, you're, you know, you're in kind of CYA mode. And I get down there and he sits me down. He's like, hey, John, just want to share with you something. It's really important. I'm like, oh, man. And he said, you're going to Top Gun. And like, I don't remember the rest of the conversation, Robert. My <laughs> God, it was like you won the lottery. And uh, excuse me. Um, the next weekend, I'm sitting there playing softball with our squadron team, Robert. And I hear somebody go, watch out. And I looked and <clears throat> I got drilled in the right eye with a line drive softball. It was kind of an errant hit. And I had an orbital blowout fracture. I had nerve damage. I was done. And the doctors tried to, you know, work on it for almost nine months. And nine months later, after that softball hit me, I got to go to Top Gun. I, I did some ground instructing there, hoping things would come back. 
uh, and it didn't. And so in January of 95, I was out on the street and I had no idea what to do next. I had an electrical engineering degree that I didn't know how to use. I mean, I'd never engineered anything. I was a pilot that couldn't fly. And the only jobs that I could get that would even come close to help me pay my bills was sales jobs. And I'll never forget. It's probably one of my lowest points in my life. Hmm. I'm sitting here knocking on doors in a, in, in a, a residential neighborhood by Miramar, hoping somebody's home to sell them a cell phone. Hmm. And the sounds of my dreams are flying over my head. Wow. And that was a very hard transition because when your identity it's what I realize now is completely external. Hmm. It's who I was. It's what I did, right? I was a fighter pilot. I flew the Tomcat. I was a naval aviator. I was a naval officer. Um, those that was that was who I right. That's how all my friends knew me, right? From college and high school, and and then it's gone. Hmm. And you know what? In that process of actually figuring out who you really are, to figure out then what you should do when things have just been ripped away um, is definitely a process. And But here's how God used it though. In that transition, I'm, I'll never forget, I'm sitting there at a Barnes and Noble bookstore. I'm like, you know what? I gotta learn about, I know nothing about business. I know how to fly and I know about, you know, engineering. And I'm sitting there in the in the business aisle looking for a book, totally confused. And this guy comes up to me and goes, Oh, you know what? You know, have you read any good, you know, books lately? As we're both looking at the book section. I, I'm like, no. I said, I have no idea. I'm trying to figure out what I said, what what do you recommend? Well, this guy took an interest in me, and um, he was the principal of a of a local Catholic high school. Hmm. But he just took he just started mentoring me. And he helped me. And then he and uh, the guy that mentored him, who was an attorney, just started helping me figure out what I'm good at. What are my values? What are my strengths? Help me find the right job. And in that, those guys shared their faith in Jesus. And it was those two guys that led me to the Lord. Wow. And think about that. It, it was such a lesson for me that, you know, A, you can live out your faith anywhere on a Barnes and Noble on a Wednesday night. Right. And he didn't just come up to me and hand me the four spiritual laws track. No, he we had many coffee meetings, dinner meetings. We'd go to Denny's late at night when I was confused. I had somebody to call when I was just angry because I was angry a lot during that period of time. And it was through that that I saw God uses our faith in the in the marketplace in a powerful way. And that, you know what, when you take the time to connect with somebody, that's when you truly can have a positive, a kingdom, and eternal impact on somebody's life. Oh, love that. But you mentioned earlier something that's that's pretty important, right? Our our identity is so often tied to our career, right? Even in business and as entrepreneurs, we go to networking events and the question everybody asks is, you know, what do you do? And and somehow what do you do is tied to who you are. And so would you mind sharing a little bit about how you found an identity outside of what you do. Yeah, there's definitely been some seasons to that. Um, now, right? What you know, my identity is all in, you know, how do I serve God? And what he's told me to do is go help people become the person I created them to be. Oh, that's so good. Right? Especially leaders. Hmm. Because leaders, you know what, they have influence. And, and there's a lot of us that are, you know, we go to church on Sunday. And we don't know how to integrate that out in the world. And uh, I, I think earlier on, though, is is I really, 
Well, you know, I had an accident 10 years ago. Maybe it'd be good to even talk about that as a before and after, Robert, because that okay. was really kind of a dividing point for this. Sure. So I think before, right, uh, here's what happened is I get out of the Navy. I'm, I'm lost, confused, angry, find my faith, get to know the Lord. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, okay, the path is clear. Like, I was so excited. Like, I was on fire. I'm like, you know what? Things are going to be better. Uh, they're going to be gooder. I just know they are. And what happened was, oh, here's what happened over time, is I I was kind of immature in my faith. I really didn't have a disciple kind of relationship because I met these guys in San Diego, and then I moved back to Minnesota to start a company with a friend of mine. That's how I got, that's how my entrepreneurial journey really started. Um, but in that, it was just kind of me, and I would work my tail off. And at the end of the year, if things went really well, I was like, you know, thank you, Lord, appreciate it. And if it didn't go well, I'd be like, okay, either wrong plan, didn't know how to pray, or I need to work harder. Hmm. And the way I was wired, guess what I defaulted on? Guess work John harder. needs to work harder. And as I started working harder and then getting results, it was pretty easy for me to start giving myself the credit. When you're not really connected to the father and understand who he is in, in a relationship, you know, it's like that casting crown song, right? A man doesn't fade in a day. Hmm. It's all these just little things over time. And then I, I was doing better and better in business and I was getting promoted and opportunities were coming around and, and I was working for a huge company out of New York city that moved me from Minneapolis out here to Denver where we both live. And this was in 2008. And then uh, a couple years in this, man, like, I'm just, I'm like from the outside in top of my game, right? Been married at that point, uh, 22 years, three great kids. I'm doing all these things. And I was miserable. Hmm. Like, seriously, I, I, I describe it in my book that I wrote called On Purpose With Purpose. I describe it as smoldering discontent. Oh. Nice. Right. Because I didn't know why I was so unhappy because I was like, I had the stuff. How about this? I succeeded according to what they told me success is. Right. <laughs> I, I realized that I had let myself drift into trying to please and, and live under the tyranny of they. How did they expect me to show up? What did they expect me to do? How did what did they you know, what nonprofit boards did they expect me to be on? All these different things. And in that, my marriage was suffering. My relationship with my, my kids was suffering. And then um, I had gotten involved in um, uh, some political nonprofits. I got invited to a retreat up in Montana. And this is when everything changed. Uh, this was with uh, Dr. James Dobson. He had left focus on the family to go start Family Talk. And what happened was, is I fly up to Great Falls, Montana for a small retreat with people that are on his board or it was like 14, 15 of us. And uh, we're going to go horseback riding to the back of the property and go have lunch and get to know each other. I was really excited about it. Uh, I've never, I haven't, I'm not much of a ride. I don't know. Are you a horse guy? Nope. My daughter uh, was, but I'm not. What's that? I said my daughter was, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, you know, I've, I've done the, uh, you know, the trail rides, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, like Boy Scouts and things. Exactly. Anyway, so I'm the first one saddled. And my horse all of a sudden starts trotting out into this big open area. We're on the, we're on the other side of the fence that was open in the mountains. And then he just bolts and he takes off. And I'm laying flat on my back. 
and his rump is pounding me in the shoulder blades and i was scared to death i was going to flip off the back of this horse get kicked in the head and get killed so i did the one thing that i knew to do in that moment and that was to squeeze with my legs as hard as i could what i didn't know that is telling a horse to go faster <laughs> And that guy found another gear. That dude lit the afterburners. And man, we I finally get my weight back in the saddle. And we're at a full gallop, which was very like going that fast, that low to the ground on a horse. I didn't like it. I mean, I've flown in combat. I've been shot at. I've raised teenagers. Like, <laughs> like nothing prepared me for that moment. And, and all of a sudden, I try to get him to turn. He won't turn. Trying to get him to stop. He won't stop. Everything I do, it seems like he just accelerates more. And we're heading straight at a steel corral fence. Mm. And we're getting closer. We're getting closer. And I'm totally in panic mode. And then like 20 yards in front of the fence, hooves thundering, wind in my hair. Like, you know that a rush of adrenaline you get when everything slows down? I had that at this moment of perfect clarity. And I remember saying to myself, this is not going to end well. And that's the last thing I remember. Uh, the horse came into the fence and he bucked so hard. He he flipped over and slammed into the fence rump first. And when he did that, he launched me Superman straight into a three-inch steel beam. Hmm. And it hit me across my face from, from through here. So I lost eight teeth. I, I caved in this side of my skull. I broke virtually every bone in my skull except for my jaw and my right cheekbone. I broke my neck. Uh, shattered my shoulder. The next star bar down hit me in the rib cage. It crushed my rib cage and broken ribs punctured my left lung. Uh, we found out later from multiple doctors that what happened to me literally because of the brain injury and the damn head injury was so severe that what happened to me was not survivable. Hmm. And, and the fact that I wasn't a quadriplegic, they couldn't believe afterwards that, you know, when they looked at my neck that I wasn't a quadriplegic. I've had so I spent the next five weeks in ICU, and then I spent 20 months here in Denver at uh, Craig Hospital that just does spinal cord and traumatic brain injury. So, and I had 23 surgeries. I had eight surgeries or procedures just on my neck. Wow. Um, but here's what happened is I woke up on the ground, Robert, into more pain than I could ever describe. It was beyond my brain. You, you know that saying, um, God won't give you more than you can handle? <laughs> But okay, it's not push the limit. It's not true. I'm just <laughs> telling you, it's not true. Um, I woke up into this crazy pain, and the guys were holding me down. And you know what? And from the outside, right? I'm yelling and screaming and writhing. You know, it's a head injury, so this thing, whole thing isn't pretty. And um, all of a sudden, one of the guys said, John, you just relaxed so completely, it looked like you were sinking into the ground. He thought he had just watched me pass away. It was in that moment, Robert, that I was standing in God's presence. He was standing right next to me, and I could feel this unconditional love just pouring off of him. It was rhythmic. It had a weight to it, like being at the edge of an ocean, and the waves are washing over your body. And it was unconditional love. It was peace. It was almost had a color to it. I almost want to say purple, but that's not right. And as soon as I felt it, and I didn't know how bad my whole body was crushed, the first thought I had that went across my brain was, I'm not worthy hmm. of somebody loving me like this. Hmm. 
And and then he spoke to me, and it was this voice that came from everywhere and nowhere, and it wasn't to my ears. It was like flowing through me. And what he said was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Now, where I was at the point, buddy, I didn't know that came from Romans. I'm just telling you. Um, and then he said, John, use my name. I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And they said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was permanently blind, which it is. All the bones behind the eye socket had shattered and severed the optic nerve. And then he left. I can, there's, there's a lot that happened in that period of time. But after he left, I, I, I looked up at the woman next to me. She was a paramedic. And I looked at her and I said, hey, God's here. You don't have to worry. You're gonna, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And she's wow. like, she told me later, she's like, it was an hour till Life Flight was going to get there. And she didn't think there was any chance, zero chance of me being alive when Life Flight got there. Hmm. And the whole time until Life Flight got there, I was in no pain. Praise the like, Lord. You go into shock, you know, you're in, you know, you're pain free for a, a brief period of time. This is an hour of me conversing and talking and acting so normal when they called my wife. They basically said, John got thrown off a horse, so you need to come to Montana to bring him back home. And then they life flight me to the, the hospital. And uh, they assess me. And then they call my wife and say, you need to get up here and bring the kids. Ouch. So you can say goodbye. How do you like to get that call? No. So this is a long answer to identity. But I, I think it's so important because I, I um, the next five weeks when I was in ICU, I have three memories. I had post-traumatic amnesia, but one that I'll I forget, I'll remember as clear as day is the neurosurgeon walks in and um, he's talking to my wife, kind of talking over me. My wife's on the other side of the bed sitting there with me. And he said, we got to do a brain surgery. We got to take up John's whole skull and fix him because it's really bad. And what I'm hearing is um, the chances of me surviving are very low and the chances of me being the person she remembered are not very good. Hmm. And then he looks at Donna and says, does John have a will and more importantly, a living will? And, uh, Donna said, yeah, you know, we have that. We don't have it here. And he said, listen, you need, can you call your attorney and get it faxed up right away? So we have it before surgery. So they leave the room to go prepare for my brain surgery and call the attorney. And, even though I'd been in God's presence, Robert, I was convinced that the next weekend was going to be my funeral. Hmm. Think about that. I was 45 years old and I started, the first thought was, are my wife and my kids going to be okay? Hmm. Right? That's inheritance, right? What you leave to somebody. But then I started thinking about legacy. I said, what have I done that, that is going to live on in my wife and in my kids? Have I lived a life so the use of this life would outlive my life. Mm. And I got to tell you, man, as I played the tape of the funeral, right? Everybody says nice stuff at the front of the church. That felt good at first. Then I'm like, hey, let's say I knew Robert and you and I were in a men's group or whatever. And you're there at the back of the church looking around for the, you know, the chicken and potato salad. Right? What would you really be saying? Oh, what a great guy. What a bummer. Or would you be like, you know what? That guy impacted my life. Because of that guy, my business succeeded. Mm. That guy was there when nobody, when everybody else abandoned me. And you know what? I didn't take my life because I had a relationship with John. Mm. 
I'm like, I, I don't think any, I don't think any of that would have been said. And that's when I realized I had two things that I had to do. A, when I was in God's presence, it totally transformed my understanding of who he was. And I wanted to keep understanding more. How can you be in a relationship with somebody who you don't, you don't know? <laughs> and then the other thing was not who I saw and who I thought when I looked in the mirror. Because, man, everything we've done in our life, our identity is what we believe to be true about ourselves. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm telling everybody listening, there's stuff that you have let in that is not true. It is a lie. Like you're not good at this. You're not a great husband. You're not good at speaking. You're not whatever it is. I'll guarantee you, you let stuff in that Jesus doesn't see when he looks at you. Oh, so good. So there's a gap, right? And I think the bigger that gap is, here's how I know. If you're feeling stress, if you're feeling anxiety, you got a big gap. What I found is, as I closed it, I went to close the gap between who I saw in the mirror and who I thought Jesus saw when he looked at me. That anxiety, that stress started to melt away and this very long, painful, brutal, difficult recovery. But in that, as I worked on these two areas of my life, that's when I was able to come out and be really connected to who I was. And the who then leads to the purpose and the calling. I had it backwards before. So I'm sorry, that was a very long answer to a short question, but that's you, know, you can be talking, Robert, and um, <laughs> I'll let you jump in. Sorry. No, not at all. No, it's, uh, I mean, I, we need to know the story, right? So that you can, I, you can understand. Obviously, you know, one of the projects I try to help people go through is that legacy choice, right? One of the, a good exercise is, you know, what do you want people to say at your funeral? What do you want your friends to say, your coworkers to say? Your, but you had a you've had a pretty, you know, smackdown version of that, and so sure did. Um, it, it's it's quite different, and I'm sure much more dramatic. And uh, I'm certainly glad that you're still here. Obviously, you and Donna are as well, and so, and and your kids, I'm sure. And uh, so I I appreciate that that you you're applying the lessons and. And, and taking it as seriously as, as God intended, right? You, you've got a second chance. You know, my, uh, my wife was given a second chance this year and, and I'm doing everything in my power to honor that. And, and we know that there's a reason that she's still here. We've got more work to do. And, uh, and, and much of that is, is in the legacy that we want to leave. Isn't it though? Um, and you know, that legacy when we really think about it, right? What are we called to do? Love God and love others, right? Mm. Jesus said, that's the, I mean, that's the foundation of the commandments. And then here was my question is, I'll never forget this. This was interesting to me um, as I felt like, you know, God kept me here and was calling me to work back in business, right? And I know you've done a ton of work in the mission field and, I'm like, well, that doesn't that doesn't sound it doesn't feel right. If I'm here and I've been given this second chance, how could my work or or working in a company be an actual mission field? Mm. And I shared that with my pastor, and he 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 shared that sentiment. He's like, well, that's not really mission work. Oh. I don't think that's I don't I don't know if that's where really why God kept you around. Like he did not get, you know, the the marketplace as a place of mission work, mm. and what so. So, yeah, it was a shame. Um, 
And what I've also found, though, there's a lot of pastors that don't understand that. My pastor now gets it, dude. It is his absolute DNA. If anybody's in Denver looking for an amazing church, uh, Keith Boyer at 3D Church out in Parker. Um, but I got to tell you, finding people around me that could speak into that, who understood the kingdom mandate, who understood the leverage. I'll never forget when I started my podcast quite a while ago, um, somebody asked me, Who's had more influence in our culture, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, or the entire evangelical movement? Like, wow. We have abdicated our role, our responsibility, and our authority as the body of Christ, in my opinion. Whew. We could we could go down that rabbit hole for a while, buddy, because I think the church has abdicated a whole bunch of things. Healthcare is top of the list and, and a few others, but... For, for the sake of entrepreneurs and the business side, one of my biggest challenges and the reason I started my company is Jesus's words that he came to give us life and give it to us abundantly. And, and the church has left that out of the gospel in many cases because they're so caught up in this salvation thing. We got to save them. We got to save them and baptize them, save them, baptize them. And that's the only focus that they've had. And, and there's a, there's a, a disconnect between helping them work and helping them live outside of the church and, and, and be Christ in the world. And I, and I think, yeah, you're right. The church has abdicated. A bunch well, you know, what's happened authority. is um, I, I read a fantastic book and if you, if you want to meet him, it's by uh, Joseph Materas. It's called the divided gospel. And this whole trend actually happened. Um, I didn't know this until I was. I spent some time with Joe. I heard him speak at a conference after the Civil War. But he, think about this, right? You have the gospel of salvation, which is legit, right? Absolutely. You also have the gospel of the kingdom. But when that gets pulled out, if I don't understand a kingdom mandate, right? And I, and I have my fire insurance, Am I really going to go put myself out of my comfort zone to go help other people? Mm. Am I really going to show up at work with that really difficult coworker who probably doesn't share any of my values or beliefs or appears that way? And I am I going to treat them with love mm. or am I going to put them in a box and judge them and gossip to other like-minded folks on my side of the aisle, so to speak? <laughs> yep. And the label gives us an excuse, right? Oh, they're that kind of sinner, or they're this kind of sinner, or they're, and and we we can separate ourselves because we've we've decided that their sins are worse than the ones that we're hiding, and and absolutely I and they're not, huh? You know what? I just <laughs> just throw it out there. A buddy of mine, he runs a company that's helping fight pornography. Do you know that the numbers among Christian men from the data he has is higher from the average population? Ah, uh, no surprise. Because and now think about it. We're the first people to throw stones. But here's the opportunity, though. I really think right now. I I believe I was kept alive in so many other people right now we, for a season such as this. I have felt since that moment, Robert, that God is moving big time. And right now, if you look out in the world, and if you know how to look for it, the evidence that there is an awakening happening right now in the body of Christ is epic. Hmm. I'm telling you. Be of good cheer, turn the news off, tune into God because you know what's happening in business, what's happening in politics, what's happening in global trade, what's happening all over the place. The rise of China, 
guess what? Did it ever occur to you guys that nothing occurs to God? <laughs> okay. He knows all this is happening. So right now, I really believe that there is a movement that's starting to happen. And a if you go and study revivals, everybody's praying for revival. Guess what? Um, there has never been a revival yet. So never is a strong word. That has not been preceded by an awakening in the body of Christ. That lays the the that that fertilizes the field. It prepares the way for a revival to spread from the body out into the rest of the world. Absolutely. Well, and I and I believe that that it can happen through business. Like it can the, the character required the character required to be a good entrepreneur is the character of Christ. And and when entrepreneurs take on that character, we are going to bring about solutions to issues that big companies and governments can't solve because they're they're not agile enough, they're not dedicated enough to people, but we as entrepreneurs recognize that I have something great within me that the world needs and and when I when I release that, when I put that out into the world, I'm serving people and helping people get get to another level. And I believe each of us was created with something, right? That that's a gift God give, has given us to serve humanity in in that great way. And the more men and women like you and I are empowering people and inspiring people to use their gifts and start loving their neighbors that instead of gossiping about them and loving their coworkers and loving their bosses and loving their enemies, as Jesus called us to do. Um, like you said, revival, great things, great things are going to happen. Great things. But and, and let me share this with you too. Do you know what gives you permission to be a kingdom influence in the marketplace? That is excellence. Because mm -hmm. if I'm looking at you, I don't care whether you're a sales rep or a customer service person or you're the uh, the founder of a company. How you how you treat people. Now I'm not talking about it doesn't mean that you're always nice. <laughs> the word nice is not. I think it's only in scripture once because I've actually searched for it in the original <laughs> Greek. But you know what isn't there is kind. Mm. That means can I give people feedback that they need to hear? If there's a problem between two people and I don't address it, right? Does that create a bigger problem later? Of course. Do I pay my right? It does. Do I pay my bills on time? Right? Um, do I have a vision? and a purpose and a mission that, you know why I, I talk to leaders all the time, Robert, and one of the big things they're struggling with right now is how do I make better strategic decisions when the world is a bit crazy and there's a lot of ambiguity? Know your values. Know your values, know your mission, know your purpose. When you know those things, you're going to make not the perfect decision, but better decisions. Of course, absolutely. And and if you understand that you're building, like I'm building my company beyond influence, you're building your company, right? Add value to life in partnership with the father. Yeah, absolutely. You have the smartest dude ever as a business partner. And in that, if you can, when you learn to trust in that, guess what? Even if you make the wrong decision in the moment, you're going to figure out what you did well and you're going to learn from it. And next time, you're going to make a better decision in partnership Absolutely. with the Father. And think about this. What, what's the big challenge we have right now? Innovation, engagement, creativity. It's so hard to hire. It's so hard to find people and then keep them. Everybody out there listening, just think about that company 
that you're that you've been a part of where you loved it? What were those elements? I'll guarantee you those elements exist in that relationship with Jesus. And if you bring that into your company culture, whether people know you're a believer or not, right, that kingdom influence is going to be exerted in a positive way. Mm, absolutely. And, it, and it's so it's so powerful, right? Well, because you and I both know the power of love. And 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 obviously we both recognize how much our world needs more of it. Right. I mean, it's it's the ultimate solution. You know, Jesus says you'll be known by your love. And then it's the two commands that, that we've been given, you know, love God and pretty much love everybody else. That's 100 percent. Yep. Absolutely and, right. And most of us have given up on the second part because we, you know, we, we want to focus on loving the people that are like us and, and loving people that are different than us is that's that's harder. Right. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com. A-D-D valuemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, you know, I got to share something with you, I'm, you know, because... Um... This was during the election season last year, and I heard this this one politician, it was a woman, share some things that I, I thought were just so outrageous and false. And I'm sitting there on the phone with a friend of mine, and we're just gossiping about her, tearing her apart, right? Who, you know, and as soon as I got off the phone, I heard a voice in my head say, Why are you cursing my daughter? Ooh. Ah. I'm like, oh. Like I can feel it right there. Like I feel goosebumps. Like I was convicted in that moment, Robert, that you know what? I thought I was, my attitude, right? I've evolved, I've matured, I've been through this accident. You know, what I realized was God loves every person with such a depth, right? That unconditional love that he had for me. And I knew when he stood next to me, I knew that anything and everything that I'd ever done, good, bad, or otherwise, was not even relevant to the relationship and the love he has with me right now in the present. And that I'm also not special. <laughs> anybody you want to think of in this world who's living right now, God doesn't want to lose anybody. Mm. He has that exact same love for them. And that's what he's asked us to do, is love others. Now, that doesn't mean that we trust everybody. That doesn't mean, you know what, when we're kind to people, it doesn't, you know, I, you know equality, I, I think we have to keep, treat people fairly, right? I think we have to treat, what if we saw the same value in each person that God sees? Hmm. And what if we operated from that place? We wouldn't have a diversity, equality, um, some of these conversations that we're having today. And we need to have more conversations like that. I've gone out to a whole bunch of my friends, minorities, and I'm like, tell me about your life, your experience. I'm like, wow, as a white guy from Minnesota, I never knew. Right. I honestly, I never knew. Right. Cause they don't like talking about it, especially well, just their the, white friends. Just the level of hate, regardless. Like, and they've know. been exposed to that. Some of my close friends, you know, I've intended. Yeah, you know what? There's, there's, I can't wait for the day of the Lord. 
I don't know when it is. I hope it's soon. Um, but I have to assume that it's way off in the future and I got to step onto the field and do my part while I'm here. Put the pedal down. Yep. <laughs> I guess, I guess for you, it's the, it's the throttle forward, right? Like, <laughs> that's right. You got to take the, you got to take the power levers and just jam them up to full afterburner. Absolutely. Man, this is, this is so good. So obviously, you, you know, you believe that we've been designed to do great things. And there's and there's this uh, typically our belief systems right that are that are holding people back and and you know holding back their effectiveness holding back their freedom um, and, and holding back their influence. Mm -hmm. So how do we help people step into who God created them to be? Well, I think you know your belief system. I I think it'd be real. It's and you mentioned it before. Core values. Right. I, I think a lot of us have what we think are our should values <laughs> or or if you go through like I did a whole chapter in my book on just core values. I think it's that important because and I've had tons of clients as I've gone through this. They're like what came out of that exercise is not at all what I thought going in. Because hmm. a lot of it is, you know, let's say you take a list. If you just go to the Internet and type in list of core values. Oh, like, oh, yeah, I want to be that. I should be that. <laughs> My family would appreciate that one. But when we really get in and challenge it, does it show up in your life? If you're acting outside of that one, does it just cause you tension? And all of a sudden, I think, understand because I think all of us have been wired. It's this beautiful fabric. I think understanding our beliefs. What are our beliefs? Right? And really understanding what is our own true north. Our true north, I think, starts with our understanding of who the Father is. Okay? And what he's promised us. I think it also comes with, from understanding, hey, what are our what are our spiritual gifts? What are our talents? I think talents are things that you're just naturally good at. You didn't go to school for them. And I think there's another thing in there too, and that's our passions. You talked about before, John 10, 10. What is, you know, Jesus said, I came to give you life so that you may live it to the full. Think about those, not a period of time, but I want I want people listening. What is that bright moment? boom, that happened. Like, oh, that was, that was good. What was going on? Maybe you were fly fishing and in fly fishing, I go, okay, what was happening? Well, I was having this amazing, deep conversation with my business partner and we were talking about his marriage. And I got, and I, I still remember that, you know, years later, ah, oh, you're, well, you're passionate about maybe fly fishing, but it sounds like you're really passionate about having meaningful conversations with people about things that really matter. Right. Some people are passionate about travel or passionate about making money. I got friends of mine that are, they're amazing at making money. And they're afraid to admit that sometimes in a Christian circle. They're yeah. some of the best entrepreneurs I know. But guess what? Money is not their motive. Hmm. They're really good at what they do. And they can say, listen, I'm going to start a new company. My goal is to make $50 million this year. Because when I do that, I can employ this many people. I can give this away. I can do all of a sudden it, what in their mind, what they're seeing is kingdom possibilities. And I see a ton of, especially people as Christians, stuffing stuff down because they're like, well, I don't know if I want to admit that to my men's group or to my pastor. Like we have a filter. And here's the question is, we have to be really careful. If we really want to step into that full life in our purpose and understanding our identity in Christ. 
be careful about whose voice you're listening to. Mm, absolutely. You listen to the Father's voice. Don't listen to the the voice of others. But in recognizing that that money wasn't the issue, right? Solomon had it all. And, he really did. And 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 he used it for the kingdom. Like he did what God called him to do with it. And well, look and at he, Abraham. He had he had five companies. You go back and you go read that part of scripture. The guy had five unbelievably successful um organizations that he was in charge of. Absolutely. And I think the challenge is, especially from the from the poverty side, right? When you when you have that poverty mindset, it's easy to look at scripture and 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 get scared of, you know, of riches, of money, of and and you mentioned it, right? It's the motivation. What what is the driver? If money becomes the driver, then that is that is evil, and that can lead you down a, an evil pathway. But when money becomes a tool, and you're using it for kingdom kingdom things. I, I mean, the truth is money's necessary, right? People don't get fed on goodwill. People don't get. No, they don't. If I want to get health on goodwill. <laughs> when I got the tax cuts, you know, over the under the last administration, I was able to hire another person because it freed up some money. But so the thing about here's how I look at it is I think money amplifies our character. Oh, and I think some good. people that are afraid of money, um, it's because they really know deep down that they have, they have some inner work to do. What I have found is as an entrepreneur, being around other like-minded entrepreneurs to honestly do life with, do business with, that can hold each other accountable. Hey, why are you making this decision? Is this serving God or is this really self-serving? You know, um, hey, here's where I'm worried. Here's where I have doubt. Here's where I think this has influenced me. Man, this is a team sport. And God speaks to us and answers prayer through others. And I've been very intentional in my entire entrepreneurial journey, um, especially since the accident, as things, you know, my faith has grown to constantly be around other CEOs and other entrepreneurs that are on this um, faith walk with me. Hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it without that. My, my We get together every Wednesday for an hour a group of eight CEOs and entrepreneurs. Hmm. So good. I mean, the value of of surrounding yourself with with like minded people or people that are a little bit ahead of you or or that 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 you can emulate together is is so powerful. Well, it is, and you know, imagine you know you coming together in prayer saying, "Hey, listen, this isn't working out. I got to fire this person, guys. Be in prayer that how to figure this out." But see, or, hey, guys, I can't make payroll this month. <laughs> I need prayer or, Hey, I'm looking at a whole new product launch. Is this, I'm, and I'm, and I don't feel like I have some good discernment here. I don't know if this is really where God wants us to invest in our resources. I think being around people that can be in prayer for you who understand being a kingdom focused entrepreneur is, is uh, invaluable. Hmm. Well, and, and just recognizing the difference between leadership and management, right? I mean, we just heard an example, you know, this last week of 900 people getting fired on a Zoom call by a person who's clearly managing, <laughs> managing people. And literally, you know, you guys are pawns and you're not making enough money and, and you're all fired right before Christmas. Um, obviously, a manager that didn't care where a leader, if he has to fire 900 people. Wasn't he the CEO of the company, too? Yes, yes. I did. You know what? That just, I was so disgusted by that headline. Moron. I like, didn't even read it. I probably should have. <laughs> 
<laughs> but but the bottom line is you and I both know that that leaders would handle that differently and that leaders would approach people differently. And 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 I know one of the biggest examples, especially when you have to fire somebody, that, that there's a reason behind it. And and either they're not a match for the position or the company's no longer in a position to to keep that position. And and it and it can be for the good, right? We our goal is to find a win-win. And it doesn't seem like there'd be a win-win in firing somebody. But the truth is you can empower that person to be in a better place or better position if you by letting them go because you're holding them back in many cases if they're not the right person. Well, I had a client of mine. We, you know, we went through this whole process. I have a biblical-based process on how to be in agreement about how not only how you're going to show up, who you are, but what you do, the professional work, so that I have standards to hold you accountable to. And if you're not there, we're going to help you get there. And if you hmm. can't get there, there's, you know, let's just say next month there's going to be a consequence of not meeting these standards personally, professionally. And if that happens, we're going to let you go. Well, this was a younger, I was working with a client of mine, one of the most likable people you ever met. Right. But the job role was just not a fit. He just, he was making the other people on the team work harder. <laughs> it's not also fair for some of the other people when we hold on to some of these people we need to let go. Right. And, and he let him go the right way right? Hey, if we don't get here, this means you choosing to leave the organization. And he, and when it happened, the guy was angry. He was upset and right. It was embarrassing. He got let go from, you know, this job. And, and now three years later, I'm still in touch with both of these folks. He has gone back to that entrepreneur, a smaller company, CEO, president, basically said that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That was the kindest thing you could have ever done because for me, it was a wake-up call that had I not been fired and just let along in some of these habits I had, there's no way where I've gotten to in the last three, four years in my career would have ever happened. Hmm. So we're doing people a disservice by not giving them the truth, but we got to give them the truth in love from the right place. Absolutely. That's so good. So let's switch gears just a little bit. Let's talk about how important is, is play and fun. Oh my gosh. You know what? If you don't keep the tank fill, you're just going to get burned out. Um, I, I have to, like, I gotta get, I have to go out for walks. My wife and I, we just, I was burnt out. This has been the busiest year I've ever had with the book launch and everything else that ever happened. I said, honey, I don't need, like we've, we've become roommates. So we just got back from spending a few days in Florida on the beach it, just her and I, it was awesome. Um, you know, making time to fill your tank because you're not going to be good for others if you're showing up half full. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So now that you mentioned your wife, what's what's your most memorable date? Oh, okay. This is funny. So I, I had been pursuing my wife for three months. Thirty. We've been married 32 years. 30, lots of great dates. But our first date, um, three months into me pursuing her, she finally said yes. And we go to, um, we're in Albany. I went to uh, school in upstate New York. We go to the mall and we're going to go see a movie that she picked out. And so we go to have dinner and then we go over to the movie theater and they had all the times wrong. Because remember back then it was actually printed in the paper. Right. Remember? And so the only movie that was playing where we had to drive an hour, 45 minutes back to where our college was, was um, Fatal Attraction. <laughs> so on our first date, we saw Fatal Attraction, and uh, so I don't know. We little we intense, just, 
Yeah, a little intense. I'm like, oh, I can't believe that's our first aid story, honey. We will have that the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's awesome. <clears throat> so obviously, you've been you've raised your family, you know, while building a business. And what what has been the blessing of of being able to have the freedom as an entrepreneur? Oh, well. You know, in this season of my life now, you know, not having to go to an office every day. When our kids were younger, you know, we homeschooled them. So if they wanted to join me, if I was doing a project in New York or some things like that, they could come out. We'd get a hotel for four days, right? And I'd, you know, head out early on Friday and we'd have a three-day weekend. Um, working out of the house for COVID, because I had all three of my boys, my daughter-in-law and my grandson were under my roof, just the way things lined out. Robert, it was like the best seven months of my wife and I's life because <laughs> we never once had an argument. Our family's just, you know what? We got closer. We cooked, we played, we went for walks, we played games. We, It was awesome. So I think, you know, making those memories, making that space to have fun. But I think the other thing too, what I lost track of before my accident was, um, I didn't make the kids a priority. I thought building my career and making money was the priority because in doing that, because it was kind of modeled for my dad. If I did that, that's what takes care of them. But that what they want from us um, as parents is our time and our focus and us being, showing up present. Even if I have work to do, but I'm sitting there on my phone. Oh, hold on. I'll get back to this email. You're totally, you're, I, I wrecked, I almost ruined my relationship with my boys with how mm -hmm. I was showing up before and thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to rebuild all three of those relationships. I have three boys uh, over this period of time. It was hard. I, I had, I had done a lot of damage and um, today we're, they're probably three of my closest mm -hmm. friends. So nice. that's one of the best things to come out of this accident. Nice. Well, kids, Kids are almost as forgiving as dogs, but <laughs> especially golden retrievers. Man, yeah, I, I used to always tell the joke when I preach about marriage that you know you can you can stick your dog and your wife in the trunk of the car and drive to the park, and when you open the trunk, you'll see which one's really your best friend. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> I, I've been with my wife for over thirty years as well, and so yeah, I've That's never awesome. stuck her in the trunk of the car. <laughs> I know you have it, my friend. <laughs> but my dog, I could stick him in the trunk and he wouldn't care. If I opened the trunk and I was there, the dog would be super excited to see me. <laughs> I know. My dog would look up at me like, what was up with that? You got a treat? Give me a treat and we're good. <laughs> That's right. Is there I'm a park? Okay. Are we going for a run? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. So what, what's what been the, the impact of being an author? Well, you know what? Uh, putting together a book and getting your voice out there is a little, you know, you're like, wow, this is like, you know, kind of walking, you know, naked down the street, so to speak. Um, but you know what? The best part about it is just been all the notes and emails and calls that I've had from people who made an impact, right? I wrote the book to say, you know what? If I could help one person get to a place in life that God's helped me to get to right? The entire book has been all about my journey that God led me through and the coaching journey that I now get to lead other uh, men and women through, which has been one of the most rewarding things in my life. So it's all, it's opened all kinds of just crazy doors to speak and work with different people and have conversations. So 
it, it's I gotta tell you, I got you know, I got it right here. Um, it is really fun to, you know, to just have it out there. Absolutely. Well, I love, I mean, just obviously the title on purpose with purpose is just so good. Like that's, uh, you know, I, there's so many people that don't understand that, that they were created with a purpose <laughs> and, and just helping people feel like they, you have value. You, you have a purpose inside you that can serve humanity in some great way because that's how you were created. And I can say that confidently that every human being, like you said, every, every one of them was created that way by the father. And whether you're a person of faith or not, he still put those seeds inside you that there's something great about you that the world needs. And, and I love that about our father and I love that about humanity and as creative beings and i just want to help more and more people tap into that creativity inside them and and release it right let it let yeah. it, let the world experience it because the world needs needs your voice and so and i know that's your your 100%. your mission as well yeah um, so I, I love that so you've mentioned obviously mentors in in your own life and what would you recommend for somebody that's um you know, in the, in the journey, right. They're on the path, but, but looking for new mentors, looking for someone to take them to another level. There's so, you know what, everybody who you look up to right now had somebody help them hmm. think about, um, when you want, when you want to build a relationship with somebody, figure out, find a way to add value, find a way to serve them, find a way to do something, that could be meaningful. Don't just call them up and say, Hey, you know, Hey, uh, Michael, Hey, John, Hey, Robert, uh, could you mentor me? I get a lot of calls like that. And you know what? I I'd love to say yes to everybody. I literally don't have the time on my calendar. I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, so find ways. And, and you know what, here's the other thing too, that I would give you. Um, it is your job to be a fruit inspector. Here's what I mean. I'll, I'll never forget. I got in the Navy and I'm working with these amazing, you know, Christian leaders. And I got offered to work for and be mentored by a guy who was a billionaire. I thought this was like, I was over the moon. I was so excited. Uh, he, he actually is a guy that I sold a phone to and he connected and he saw something to me. And uh, so the guys just started asking me a question, said, okay, financially, right, done well. Like, you know, he's like on, literally on his, you know, fifth marriage, mm. does not have a relationship with his adult kids. Mm. And basically what my friend said to me is, John, you know what, you, you, if you take his advice, you're going to get what he got. <laughs> so you have a choice to make. So I said no to that gentleman. And he's done very well. You would actually know his name today. I met him. I mean, this was literally... 25 years ago, um, find people that share your values, have a great marriage, have a relationship with their kids. If they're single, right? Are they living a life that you want to live? And then, you know what? Um, when you do get that time to be mentored, follow up, stay in communication, be in touch, keep serving them. Look at it almost like, you know what? That's an accountability partner who's not asking for accountability. Mm -hmm. Let's say that somebody introduced the two of us. I would follow up with them and say, hey, had a great call. I was on the podcast. Um, thank you so much. Or, hey, I made that decision. It didn't go really well. And I think there's some things I learned from it. Um, 
love to get your advice on following up. Stay in touch with people because you know what? It's about a relationship. Mm, so good. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the idea that you, you'd get what they got, right? Recognizing that that guy might have success by some standard, right? But he's, but he's lost, you know, lost how many marriages and, and left, left a trail of wreckage in his path. Yep. And so, you know, what, what kind of man do you want to be? So love that inspect the fruit and, and check, you know, does do his values match? Right. I think one of the things that most people don't do, and I think that values test you talked about earlier kind of helps is, is challenge your beliefs, right? Where, where did you get that belief? Why, why do you have that belief? Because we get these beliefs. We get beliefs about money, beliefs about the world, beliefs about ourselves. And, and nobody ever challenges us to, to test them. And a lot of our beliefs about ourselves could have been a teacher and one statement a teacher made that just pff, get, that, that gets stuck in there or a boss or somebody of influence that, that we believed planted this belief in us that, like you said, beliefs that aren't true. And if we don't challenge them. Well, and they, you know, what? sometimes we have to take time to slow down to actually look at some of that stuff so that we can really speed up. And sometimes it's a little counterintuitive as an entrepreneur to slow down, to get some clarity on some of these things, because I'll tell you what, it allows you to accelerate your results pretty, pretty meaningfully. Oh, especially if you're, if you're in harmony with your values and your purpose, you and I both know that that, that creates, um, you know, top gun momentum. Like that's right. That's, that's an, a, a definite accelerator um, for sure. So John, what, what inspires you? You know, seeing, um, that's a great question, Robert. Um, you know what I think it, what inspires me is actually, uh, when, when people, I think, become aware of the greatness that God has placed in them and in that awareness and that learning of self, they actually take action in a way that something improves their marriage, their relationship, their business, their view of themselves, how they treat others. When I, when I see people getting gooder, right, honestly, man, I get fired up. I don't care whether it's just a little win or like this massive breakthrough. I, that's, I think that's what inspires me to keep going. Cause I just want to be part of those moments. You know, if I have a, you know, a moment like that every day, it, every day would be a pretty awesome day. Absolutely. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> so what's, what's your big dream? Oh, uh, you know what? My big dream right now, honestly, is to keep working with these high capacity leaders I get to work with and be part of this movement, this great awakening that's happening. My focus is on the business mountain. If you guys are familiar with the seven mountains mandate, um, I want to see a million people that we have had that beyond influence that God has worked through us and our team, you know, come to not only know the Lord, but step into that work that they were called to do, that they were designed to do. And that, that that's kind of the big picture. Right. That's something I can be working on when I'm in my 90s. So that's like a, a vision. Right. I can be equipping and inspiring leaders to do to work in God's kingdom um, until I'm until my last day. And that's what gets me kind of fired up. That's so good. So 
you've just had lunch with a young entrepreneur and and you're sending him off to the to the world what's uh what's john's words of wisdom figure out what you want to do even if it's a new product or a new industry but go find somebody that's had similar success and then ask them to be a mentor or at least figure out what they did to get those results. What's the plan? Then I want you to examine that plan and say, are you willing to do what others were not willing to do to get those results? And if you are, commit, don't give up, persevere. Reach out to God, find that mentorship, commit to the plan, be flexible, but keep taking small steps forward, even in the face of what looks like to you adversity or setbacks, because every one of those for me, I see now as a precious gift because every one of them, and there's been a lot of them prepared me to do better. And what was next? That'd be my advice. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing your story. And, and certainly the wisdom that you shared was super valuable and I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Keep knocking them alive out there, Robert. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Alan Taylor shares his journey from helping his dad market his artwork on the internet, built a successful brand after his father's passing. He transitioned to creating a way to replicate his father's work without his father's talent. He shares about the changes in digital marketing and the value of building your own email list.